Vayne, are we ready? Okay. Guys, um, we've been talking about um, transitioning, and today is the third part on transitioning. Um, on your sheet, I haven't given you enough space for the intro, so you'll have to um, manage somehow, and write on the other side perhaps. Because here's a question that you need to ask yourself. Why transition? Um, why transition? Why talk about transitioning? Why transition? Because yesterday's manner is moldy. True. Why transition? Among other reasons. Uh, guys, to begin with, you are a people who are called the people of the way. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Many reasons, but let me throw these reasons too. We were called the people of the way when we began. People of the way. Not a people who arrived, not a people who are starting, but a people of the way which is basically a journey that is spiritual but is lived out in the natural but is lived out in the natural It's continuous swimming in the person of Jesus and it's infinite. It's continuous entering into the depths of who Jesus is, into the character, nature, a purpose of God here on earth for each individual life and us as a church. And we are the people of the way. It's a, it's a journey. And it's a journey that is spiritual, but it's lived out in the natural. Guys, you must transition because your history, you must transition, you must transition because your history and another word for history is chronos. You must transition because your history is governed by the seasons of God. You must transition because your history is governed by the seasons of God. This guy... Get 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 this, guys. Get this. You must transition because your history is governed by the seasons. And another word for seasons is kairos. Amen. Shout it, sister. Shout it there. <laughs> Can I hear another amen? amen? There we go. This is beginning to sound more like it. You must tra- <laughs> you must <laughs> you must transition because your history is governed by the seasons of God or your chronos is governed by Kairos. Guys, grab this because if if nations know this, nations will do better. If churches know this, churches will do better. If you know this, you will do better.
This is one of the vital reasons you need to transition. Ministries need to be governed by the seasons of God. Churches need to be governed by the seasons of God. Individuals need to be governed by the seasons of God. Seasons of God meaning, what is God's present purpose in your life? What is the next uh, piece of inheritance being allocated to you that you have no idea of because it is the father that allocates the inheritance, not the son. Meaning, not you. This is so vital. Otherwise, what may be a a, a great uh, phase of your history now becomes where you locate yourself as a church, as an individual and as a ministry. And there you will be. And there you will die. When God is saying, I have brought in season upon season upon you. Why didn't you hear? Because had you heeded, you would have a different chapter added to your history. This is why transition is vital, guys. In the Old Testament, when a new season was revealed by God, places were named as a memorial of that significant time. Doesn't matter where. In Israel's journey in the middle of the Jordan. In Israel's, in Abraham's journey at different places, Whenever there was an encounter with God that revealed a new season in Abraham's life, there would be a memorial set up to God and there would be a name given to that memorial. And accordingly, Abraham's thinking would be restructured. Israel's thinking would be restructured. God would tell them to restructure it. He would say, set up this memorial here so that you can teach your children's children that this is what happened here. A new season, a new entry, a new phase, a new development. God would bring in words to restructure their thinking. They would change their thinking. And in the change or the restructure of their thinking, they would then uh, engage in action or location. I'll go over that again. Uh, Who knows how to put the air conditioning off for a second? James, you know. Oh, sorry, Vane, I'm mi- mis- mixing your name with James today. James, yeah. Sometimes this view of transition is very subtle. Yes. And we can miss it just because of the subtlety. Yes. Um, um, yeah, but if we miss it because of its subtlety, God does shout louder later so that it, we catch it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the Old Testament, as I was saying, when a new season was revealed by God, uh, places were named as a memorial of that significant time. We see that with Abraham's life. We see that with Israel's life. And when he would bring in this new season, he would always set up a memorial as a marker that showed, here guys, we are stepping into something new. And that memorial would be even given a name. And in the name was contained the need to restructure their thinking. For instance, when they come into the promised land, there's a stop to manna. Now they have to shift their way of thinking in terms of constructing barns for grain, vats for wine, houses to live in, which again God provides, but it was a change of thinking. And once transition causes the restructuring of thinking, then you can enter into action and location. Eric and I have been talking about this for a while. We have found that 
this message that we have, um, uh, as Acts 29, been um, uh, disseminating in different places of the world, it does something to people. The first thing people want to do when they listen to what we've been teaching is they want to leave their jobs and get a new job. Or they want to leave their churches and get a new church. Or they want to change homes. Or they want to buy a new car. They want to do something. And I've seen this so often, it's scary. In Vernon, there have been people who want to quit their jobs and start a new job. In Bahrain, there was a guy who wanted to move out of his house into a new house. The thing is, guys, this thing that we are teaching now, because it is the truth of God now, does something in people where they know they have to change. So they try to change by changing location. It is, a, it is a premature response to what God is doing within them. So they want to give up their jobs, they want to give up their homes, they want to, they want to do something that will somehow satisfy that need to change within. And over the last little while I have had to go and caution people saying, no, 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 stay in your job. Because changing jobs will not cause you to migrate spiritually. This has to be grasped and understood. The job change will come later. The location is not what is first. The restructuring of thinking is first. And it is such an urgency because this thing stirs up something within you that your first response is, i got to move. But move here first. Ministries have to move from where they were to where God is at right now. Churches have to move as in... I'm really putting the emphasis on that word so that you understand. We have to move. Transition is so vital, guys. You must transition because your history is governed by the seasons of God. Can't put enough emphasis on this. Otherwise, here's what will happen, guys. Otherwise, this is so stinking sad. And you, it doesn't stink till later on. That's the problem. It's sad first and then it stinks. Otherwise, here's what happens. You will end up engaging in good Christian activity you will end up engaging in good Christian activity that does not produce spiritual life. Oh! You will end up engaging in good Christian activity that does not produce spiritual life. Meaning, it'll be, you'll be engaged in really good Christian activity. From the outside, there'll be wholeness to it. But it'll lack Zoe. As in real spiritual life. That's one of the things that will happen. Second, what you do will be irrelevant to the present purpose of God in your life, in your ministry or in your church. Let me say that again. What you do will be irrelevant to the present purpose of God. If you take your car to the mechanic to have it fixed and he does a great job of shining the surface and cleaning your windscreen, great. And he doesn't charge you for it. Wonderful. Gives you five bucks saying, go eat a burger. Wonderful. But it is irrelevant to your present purpose. Because you have a car with a shiny outside, a clean windscreen, five bucks to eat a burger and you have to walk to the drive-in. Because your car doesn't move. It's irrelevant to your present purpose. 
Acts 29 has to watch out that we don't indulge in present activity tomorrow if we are not transitioning. Our present activity today will be irrelevant to God's purpose tomorrow. We will be engaged in it and think it's wholesome and good. Got to keep changing our way of thinking, our methods. I'm not angry. It is an urgency that grabs me because I cannot afford in my life or in our lives to have a history not governed by the seasons of God. Because eventually this is what's going to happen, guys. And to think it's okay. Eventually what what will happen is you will become an adversary to the divine intent and mandate of God for you and for others. So the first step is you will engage in... Activity, wholesome activity. Engage in Christian activity. The second step is you will uh, not produce spiritual life. And please don't measure spiritual life by healings and deliverances. That's not spiritual life. Spiritual life is when you begin to produce fruit the character of Christ developed in you thirdly you end up doing things irrelevant to the present purpose of God irrelevant to the present purpose of God guys the thing is no one else will tell you this because people will still commend you because you're doing better than most others. And finally, you'll become an adversary to his intent and mandate. Isn't this the story of every denomination that exists? This is how. It started with being in the season of God. It moved to Christian activity. It then goes to a place where Christian activity continues but there is no producing of spiritual life even though there will be things happening then it goes on to doing things that are completely irrelevant to to the present purpose of God and finally it becomes adversarial to God's present intent and mandate in your life and in the lives of others guys My God, I'm telling you, transition is vital. So important. Yes, we do. And we'll be talking about how we cannot, transition cannot be done in isolation. Transition does not happen when you are in a well by yourself. So today let's look at the lives of Caleb and Josiah. And uh, I'm going to use the word transitioner, which is not an English word, but it is a Greek word. Today let's look at the lives of Caleb and Josiah, transitioners who migrated into the seasons of God. They, they, they will draw from their lives. In the past we look at, looked at the life of John the Baptist and we looked at the life of Michael, David's wife. And we saw how, uh, why they didn't trans- transition. Today we look at Caleb and Josiah and see, uh, draw principles as to why they did transition. Yeah. Sorry? 
Is there a time frame for transition? Uh, uh, the, the key to transition is immediate obedience. Then the time frame does not matter. But a transition can be missed when there is delayed or a de um, failure to obey. Yeah, but when God is calling us to move from one place to the other, the, the response should be immediate obedience. We are talking about transition not as in necessarily obeying all the commands of God. We are talking about God saying, okay, great, you've been here. I'm moving on. Come. And it is, you have become so significant where you are, so settled, so completely um, um, good at where you are. That now when God calls, moving is difficult. God, I guess we need to define transition. Transition here is migration to where God is calling me to. My, the demand on my life is obey immediately. Obey immediately. And migration can happen, migration first happens in my thinking. Have, are you transitioning with regard to money? Are you transitioning with regard to ministry? Are you transitioning with regard to marriage? Are you transitioning with regard to intimacy? As God calls you higher and higher and higher, are you transitioning? Are you transitioning into becoming who you are uh, being shown you are? God is showing you this is who you are. Are you transitioning there? How do you transition? The first thing is to immediately obey. We'll talk about some of the qualities that are required for good transitioners. So how long it takes is completely up to God initially and then up to me in terms of my willingness to embrace it. And God sometimes waits for long periods. Other times he'll bring in that transition much later because we are not willing to move on. So it will come back again. But in the end, what happens in the, in the process is you miss out on chunks of your life that could be yours. Oh, it's hot in here, man. Oh, it's hot in here, man. <laughs> no, it's not. Vain. Hold on then. Okay, so let's look at the life of uh, Caleb and Jos Josiah. First, we look at the life of Caleb. And as we look at it, you'll see... Uh, some perhaps it'll clear up more what I'm saying in terms of obedience and stuff like that. Numbers fourteen twenty four. Numbers fourteen twenty four. Yeah, it is open. I, I think it's only me because I'm the one moving around. So don't silence in the gallery. Numbers fourteen twenty four. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land that he went into and his descendants will inherit it. One of the things that uh, a good transitioner requires to be is that he has to have a different spirit as seen in Caleb. He has to have a different spirit. You cannot be a... I'm sorry to say this, but you cannot be a run-of-the-mill Christian. 
I mean, that sounds wrong. How can you be a run-of-the-mill Christian? You're a run-of Christ's imprint. But a run-of-the-mill Christian is someone who does not even have an idea that there is something called transition. You have to have a different spirit. A spirit that understands these principles of transition. That's always saying, Father, you keep saying, come up higher. Here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am. There's a hunger, there's an eagerness. There's a song that was written long ago. I think you may have heard it. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. No, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a casual Christian. I don't want to live a lukewarm life. A different spirit is a spirit that is not lukewarm or casual. One of the things that distinguished Caleb from the rest was, my God, his lack of lukewarmness. There was nothing casual about Caleb. When there is lukewarmness and casualness in my life and your life, guys, know that you've slipped from being one of a different spirit. Read Numbers 13, 28 to 30. 13, 28 to 30. Numbers 13, 28 to 30. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Guys, this is one of the things I was uh, saying in response to what James was asking. A transitioner is one who is ready to take a position immediately in obedience and in risk and faith. A transitioner is someone a transitioner is someone who is ready to take up position immediately. In obedience in risk in faith. In obedience in risk in faith. Caleb didn't know how this was going to work. These are men who are twice their size. And they are a slave people. They've been out of their... Um, they've been out of their slavery for about 15 to 30 days. And these are a warrior class of renowned giants. And Caleb does not know how he's going to go about it. But he knows, knows enough to know, God is saying, move and I will move. There are, uh, that, that is all. The, 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 the response is immediate. It is in obedience. There is a risk because he has no idea how he's going to do this. He is not from a warrior uh, nation. He is from a slave nation. It is beyond his ability to understand. And there is faith. A transitioner has to have this. This is a different spirit, guys. This is a different spirit. Apply this to the ministry you're doing, 
to the ways of God that you know at present, to the church that we are a part of, to, to, to moving from where you are at to who you need to become so that you can do what you're supposed to do. Apply it in every area. But I don't know what I'm supposed to become. Well then, we'll talk about that too. Like I said over the last two weeks, fold yesterday into today. Your goal, your ways of life, your thinking, your ministry. Fold it into tomorrow. You cannot serve both John and Jesus. John and Jesus coexisted. John should have folded up his ministry and joined Jesus. Instead, he continued to maintain disciples, continued to preach the kingdom of God is near, when the kingdom of God had already come. Instead of folding his ministry into Jesus's, he coexisted and kept creating disciples that were com- very incomplete when completion had come. Don't follow John when Jesus is around. John should have immediately obeyed. Behold the Lamb of God that I have baptized. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. Not behold the Lamb of God who comes from... No, no, no. Move on with the Lamb of God. Numbers 14, 6 to 10. Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all Israelites. Guys, um, one of the things... uh, (laughs) Oh, by the way, many of these points are um, from a teaching given by a guy called Segi, who's a peer of Eddie. That's uh, who I got it from. So just so you know, uh, a guy called Segi. Segi, he's from South Africa. He's one of uh, Eddie's um, um, Eddie, Eddie associates with him because I think I need to give him credit for many of these points because uh, I don't know him well. If it was Eddie, I wouldn't give him any credit. But because it's someone I don't know well, I should give him credit. Um, so <laughs> numbers 14, 6 to 10. You have to be able to be someone, if you're a transitioner, you have to be able to uh, to both see, stand and speak God declarations in the midst of overwhelming negativity, opposition and bleakness. If you're a transitioner, know that everything in the world, everything from the, um, from, uh, from, people who aren't moving and sometimes from the enemy will work against you transitioning because if you migrate, you will come to your accurate location. So know that a transitioner has to be someone who both stands, sees and speaks God 
God's um, call on you to transition in the midst of overwhelming opposition, overwhelming bleakness and negativity. You know, it really doesn't make a difference. Uh, that, that's why I don't talk about it. But even what we teach here is not well accepted, guys. And there'll be people, there have been people who've um, spoken against this. There have been churches that have not received this. There have been places that will not ask me to speak because of what we learn here. Big deal. It, it's like water off a duck's back. It's not even important. It's not like a scar or anything. It's just a matter of fact, big deal. But know this, that you have to be able to stand, see and speak God declarations over you, that you've already seen God speak, that God is calling you to, in the, in the face, in the, in the face of opposition. You should be willing to be, uh, to risk being stoned, scoffed at and cut off from your own. It's the truth, man. Negativity. Negativity. You should be willing to be scoffed, stoned. And cut off from your own. And this is a hard thing. When I say cut off from your own, I'm talking about ones that are really close to you. Like Michael, who scoffed at David. Like Laban, who scoffed at Jacob. Like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who uh, thought he was uh, getting a little over his um, um, parameters and went to bring him home with her other sons, um, thinking that he had crossed a limit. And she sends word while he's preaching, saying, uh, tell Jesus that his mothers and brothers are at the door. And Jesus responds and says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Many don't transition because the ones they are with will not move and their allegiance is at stake. Many don't transition because the ones they are with will not move, will discourage you from moving, will threaten you with cutting off relationship and so many won't move. You know, when it comes to parents and children, I do believe in children honoring their parents. But when a parent begins to demand of the child um, ungodly and sometimes prejudicial or sheer evilly motivated uh, allegiances then a child is not obliged to obey because in obeying it you are aligning with things that are prejudicial evil 
and ungodly. And that is not honoring a parent. That is dishonoring God. Because I meet many who are in this uh, place where they don't know what to do because people who are really uh, close to them are demanding of them things that are prejudicial, ungodly and sometimes plain evil. And they have this um, need to honor and sometimes it becomes a form of manipulation. I have absolutely no problems telling them you don't need to honor your parents in this because this has nothing to do with honoring your parents. Guys, the other thing about... Sorry, did someone say something? The other thing about uh, Caleb is... uh, Read Joshua uh, 14, um, um, 6 onwards, where he starts talking about the land we passed through. um, um, Basically... Guys, Joshua had the ability to hold... Not Joshua. Caleb... um, remembered what was spoken to him 40 years ago and hid it in his heart. I mean, uh, a point comes where Caleb remembered what was spoken to him 40 years ago and he hides it in his heart. Um, I hope I have the right... Oh, it is Joshua 14. I'm in Numbers 14 and I can't figure out why I can't see it. Yeah, Numbers 14. uh, Joshua 14, sorry. Joshua 14. Not numbers. Now we go to Joshua 14. 6 to 20. Look at this. eh? This is so cool. Now the men of Judah. This is 40 years later from the scripture we just read in numbers. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. The men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord prompted... Thunder. Now then, just as the Lord prompted... um, uh, sorry, now just as the Lord promised, he kept me alive for 45 years since the time he has said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard uh, then that the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified. Thanks, man. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out. Just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb son of Jephunneh and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron belonged to Caleb son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite ever since because he followed the Lord God of Israel wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriat Arba. Who, uh, okay. So the point is this guys. First, this guy holds on to a promise for how long? 45 years man. Talk about time frame James. 45 years is holding on to a promise. 
Thank God all promises don't take that long. Transitioning, when it comes to time frame, some parts of your inheritance are going to come your way 45 years from now. Your way of vain. 45 years from now. Since you've always wanted 128. So, Caleb remembered what was spoken over his life 40 years ago. Hiding it in his heart. And then when the time comes, he was the first to step up to embrace his inheritance. The people of Judah gathered around him. Who was the first one to go up? Joshua. Wanted to, uh, sorry, Caleb. Wanted to remind Joshua. He was the first to step up to embrace his inheritance. Others followed. I've seen some of you doing this in church. You're stepping up saying, I want my inheritance. You've been stepping up and I commend you. I commend you. Caleb recognized that God was keeping him alive for a purpose. Guys, Caleb recognized that God was keeping him alive for a purpose. And what is the purpose? The purpose of keeping you alive here on earth is so that you may possess your inheritance. Hear me again. The purpose of keeping you alive here on earth is so that you may possess your inheritance. It's not for a few healings or miracles. It's not so that you can sing a few hallelujahs. All that is good. But the purpose of keeping me alive here on earth is so that I may possess my inheritance. Do you realize then that it is important that I get about my father's business? Teach this to your children also. Let them know when they are young. Son, there's a purpose for you. And what is your purpose? You will never know the full extent of it. Keep increasing in it. Till you come to a point where you say, I've run the race. I've done well. Finished everything I had to. Nothing else. Like I've always said, you finish your purpose before time. And God will say, come home son, nothing else left for you to do. It is a better compliment than well done, good and faithful servant. If you ever hear him say, hey James, you've done everything that I wanted you to do, come home. That is one step higher than well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus died at 33, not because there was a magical significance to the number, but because it is finished. Nothing else to do. Why don't you guys stay here after we are done for the next four hours? How is it that you leave in an hour this place is done? Because after one o'clock, after we have finished speaking here, there is no purpose of hanging around here. It's over. You go to your house. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm telling him that I'll make him stay today. Guys, here's a secret. I don't know if it's a secret. If you want to step into your inheritance, like I said earlier, uh, some of you may say, but I don't know who I'm supposed to be become, so what am I supposed to transition into? So here's here's a secret in that sense. Guys, I, Jacob, stepped into my inheritance. I'm putting my name in with a few other famous people. Don't worry about that. I, I stepped into my inheritance. Elisha stepped into his inheritance. Timothy stepped into his inheritance. 
Eric stepped into, as in Eric Reimer from Vernon, stepped into his inheritance when it was released by God through the grace of a father or an equipper. Let me just say that again. I stepped into my inheritance. Elisha stepped into his inheritance. Timothy stepped into his inheritance. Eric stepped into his inheritance. When it was released by God, through the agency of an equipper or a father. Selah. 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 Through an equipper. Through the grace of a father or an equipper. Through the grace of a father or an equipper. So let's remove the two really famous people in that sentence. And just concentrate on Elisha and Timothy. So let's <laughs> remove Jacob and Eric out of that. Just <laughs> look at Elisha and Timothy. Elisha stepped into his inheritance. And Timothy stepped into his inheritance. When it was released by God. Through the grace of an equipper or a father. In Elisha's case it was. In Timothy's case it was. Well done Diana. <laughs> Abraham, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Melchizedek, well done, James. Melchizedek. Okay, so uh, the the New Testament the New Testament model for building. Yeah, it is stirred up and released. Good point. Very good point, James. If you go back to the teaching of fathers and sons, you will find that it is stirred up and released through a grace gift that you are willing to connect to. In Abraham's life, Abraham's life was sputtering along till Melchizedek comes. Melchizedek, you read chapter 14 and then go to chapter 15. There is such an amazing shift where God stops using the words I will and he changes this to I am. Huge shift. Eddie taught on this. Till chapter 14, God is always telling Abraham, I will do this for you. I will do that for you. I will do this for you. Chapter 15, I am your shield and helper. I am, I am. Which is part of what we have to do. Let's put it this way, Diana. You have an inheritance, I have an inheritance, Wayne has an inheritance. This is already something that is appointed to us. But there is a stirring up and there is a imparting of the seed that is reserved for you that comes through equippers and fathers and grace gifts in your life. You cannot access it without. If you think you can, I'm not saying that's the point of your questions. If you think you can, try it and I can almost guarantee you it's not possible. Just as it's impossible for Tavis or Evelyn, or Kyla, or Sarah, or Shannon, Shana, to come into all that they are without the help of equippers, grace gifts, and fathers in their life. Impossible. Either a father or a grace gift, or someone who resources.
Yeah, but I'm assuming we know that because we've already dealt with teaching on purpose and inheritance in detail about one year ago. Refer to CD number 438A and 438B. Yeah. Moving on. Guys, there'll be many things I will not repeat because I'm assuming or taking for granted that we already know that because we've dealt with it in detail. Yeah. Guys, don't be like Hezekiah. Because in the 15 years that God added to Hezekiah, he exposed Judah to Babylon. And he fathered one of the worst kings in the history of Israel whose name was Manasseh. Don't be like Hezekiah. God gave him 15 years. But in those 15 years, he exposed Judah to Babylon. It's in Isaiah 39. He invites the Babylonian envoys and shows them his entire kingdom. He exposed Judah to Babylon and he fathered one of the most evil kings of Israel in Manasseh. Hezekiah finished badly. Let me put it this way, and this is really harsh, but it's true. If you do not transition, it is likely, it is likely that you will be more useful to Babylon than to God. If you do not transition, it is more than likely, maybe not, but it is more than likely that you will be more useful to Babylon than to God. Most of us in this church are above 30. Other than some people who are doing Greek and stuff like that. But please understand that transitioning is not age appropriate. Oh, no, transition has nothing to do with age. Age did not diminish Caleb's zeal at 85. Age is not an excuse for diminishing passion. You know, in Second Samuel 19, if you want to go there, Second Samuel 19, Is Samuel after Kings or before Kings? Second Samuel 19, 32 to 35. Second Samuel 19, 32 to 35. Well, let's start at 31. Second Samuel 19, 31 onwards. Barzillai the Gileadite also came down from Rogelim to cross the Jordan with the king and to send him as his, on his way from there. Now, Barzillai was a very old man. How old was he? Five years younger than Caleb. Now, Barzillai was a very old man, 80 years of age. He was only five years older than um, uh, Dagmar. He, has provided for the king du- he had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanaim, for he was a very wealthy man. Then the king said to Barzillai, Cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem, and I will provide for you. But Barzillai answered the king, 
how many more years will I live that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king? I am now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what is good and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voice of men and women singers? Why should your servant be added as a burden to the Lord my king? Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short distance, but why should the king reward me in this way? Doesn't this sound like some people? Let your servant return that I may die in my own town near the tomb of my father and mother. But here is your servant Kinham. Let him cross over with my lord the king. Do for him whatever pleases you. How sad is that, eh? Don't be like Barzillai, who did not transition because of age. Barzillai lost his zeal at age 80, and he considered himself a burden to David. Look at Caleb on the other instance. At 85, you know what he's asking for? He's asking for the most difficult terrain. It's just saying, I'm 85, I walked with you, didn't the Lord keep me? Give me some nice fields of grain and lake and garden. He says, give me those hills where the giants live. What's wrong with this guy, man? You know what's wrong with him? He's got a different spirit. He asked for the most difficult terrain. This was where the giants live. This was the location that had petrified the 10 spies when they were 40. This was the very place that changed the destiny of a nation and made them wander in the desert for 40 years. And this man, 45 years later, is standing there and saying, give me that land. These kind of transitioners, no? These are the guys who God will say, hey, got nothing else left for you to do. Eddie always tells me, Jacob, I meet guys who were with me in the assemblies of God and uh, they, they can't understand why my life is beginning all over at 71. Because they're being sent out to pasture and Eddie's just started traveling more. They did not transition. I'm telling you, man, when we don't transition, it saps not just your spiritual zeal. It drives you up physically too. Oh, I'm telling you, man. If you are not in the location, if you don't have that shaft of light on you whenever you take photographs, because you are exactly where you are supposed to be, then know that a plant does not grow in the absence of sunlight. S-O-N. Oh, brilliant, Jacob, brilliant. <laughs> David killed one giant. Caleb killed a tribe of giants. Just think of that, eh? David kills one giant. Caleb kills a tribe of giants. He succeeds where others failed. See you guys later, man. Hey, what time do you finish? Five. Yesterday your thing came super late, man. Yeah. So we'll probably not see you for the picnic then. Or will we see you later? Hey, Marcus, you guys are coming for the picnic? Uh, no. Hi, you said that with a straight face. At least apologize or say I'm so sorry. We'll miss you a little. Ryan, you coming? I'll, I'll give, we'll, someone will pick you up. Okay.
<laughs> Guys, uh, last point with regard to uh, Caleb. Transitioners inherit Hebron. Hebron is basically another word for communion. And I'm using communion as a parallel to intimacy. Transitioners inherit Hebron or communion, a lifestyle of intimacy. It's never taken away. It's never taken away. It's the same thing that happened with Mary. She said, uh, she sat at Jesus' feet and he said, I'll never take away this good portion from you. Transitioners inherit Hebron or communion, which is a lifestyle of intimacy, which will never be taken away. So you can ask the question, but Jacob, are you saying that if we don't transition, we cannot enter into the life, into a lifestyle of intimacy? Absolutely. Why? Because if you are not, if you don't run to where your lover is waiting, how do you commune with, it? commune with him? If you don't run to where your lover is waiting, how can you commune with him? No Skype, no Facebook, no phones. This is one-on-one. Long-distance relationship don't work. Yeah, that's not intimacy. This is why transitioning is important because if my lover is here, then I need to be here so that I can talk face to face. Otherwise, it becomes a long-distance relationship. I'm telling you, this interrupts intimacy. Intimacy becomes a mountain that you will not possess. Oh, it is heartbreaking because at one time you possessed it. And now you feel the lack of it. Why? Because we haven't moved. You know those movies when she says, I've got a job in Chicago. If the guy doesn't move, the relationship is out. I don't know whether it was Chicago or some other place, but I remember he didn't move and he lost out. Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Okay, there you go. To many, intimacy with God is a mountain they cannot possess because of a failure to run to where your lover is waiting. Guys, do you see how vital this thing called transition is? A church can miss out. Oh, can you imagine what it is to know intimacy? And then to not know it as a people, as a church. Not because, <laughs> Paul put it so well in First Corinthians 6 or somewhere, he says this, It is not that our love for you has changed, but your heart is too small to recognize it. You're intimate with your present position. <laughs> really. That's why you're not intimate with your lover. Yeah. First Corinthians 6, I don't know the verse. Let me see if I can locate it. But he says, it's not that our love has grown any less. So it's the same thing that God is saying. It's not, Jacob, that my love for you has grown any less. It's that your heart is too small. And the heart gets smaller when the distance gets larger. It's not First Corinthians 6. It's not. Uh, I, I, I'll find it for you later. It's not First Corinthians 6. But it's a brilliant verse. I'll get it for you later. Uh, guys, let's just start. At, um, 
You know what? We won't do Josiah. I'll just uh, bring up the points and leave it at that. I'll just bring up some points. Guys, one of the chief... Uh, uh, we won't read through the bits on Josiah. I just want to highlight the points. You know, do you know who's, uh, who Josiah's father was? Any guesses? Who was Josiah's father? It's not Mr. Guz- Guzman. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> because uh, there's a Josiah that I know from Richmond whose dad's name is Mr. Guzman. Yeah. Do you know who Josiah's father was? Josiah's father was Manasseh. Manasseh was the most evil king of Israel. Now here's the odd thing though. Second Chronicles 34 verse 1. The story of Josiah opens like this. And Josiah came to the throne at 8. And he walked in the ways of his father David. David was many generations removed by the way. Because Manasseh's dad was Hezekiah. Hezekiah's dad was another guy. But Second, Second Chronicles 34 one opens with the sentence that uh, Josiah came to the throne when he was eight and he walked in the ways of his father David. Guys, what I'm trying to say is this, that learn to reject the legacy, uh, learn to le- reject your natural legacy and lineage if it doesn't match up with the things of God. Learn to reject your uh, denominational, natural, cultural, habitual legacy in terms of your mindset. Set it aside if it doesn't correspond and um, move with the things of God. It is so hard to do. Be resourced by God-appointed grace sources in your life. Yeah, that's what you did. I'm sorry I hear every whisper, Elmer. But do that. So vital. So odd that the scriptures open like that. He walked in the way of his father David. The chief hindrance sometimes to transition is the legacy of natural lineage, cultural, denominational, habitual mindsets that we don't set it right. Hey, Indians have a certain culture, man. Ask any East Indian, he'll tell you. Pakistanis have a certain culture. Germans have a certain culture. Canadians have a certain culture. Vietnamese have a certain culture. The Brits have a certain culture. And I'm telling you, it's not very healthy at times. Or the Australians too and the Chinese. Just in case Lynn or Ruth felt left out. Break that mindset. Ah, Sri Lankans too. Don't worry, Sue. Guys, transitioners um, will keep upgrading. When you look at Josiah's life, and we won't go into it today, you'll see that every four years, he'd do something to upgrade. Every four years, he'd keep upgrading. First, uh, he starts seeking God in the eighth year. Then in the twelfth year, he purges Judah and Jerusalem of idolatry. Then he orders the repair of the house of God. Uh, this guy, this eight-year-old kid, by the time he turned 16, started upgrading on a regular basis almost every four years. And with every time he would upgrade, his whole kingdom would upgrade. Key there, guys. 
your kingdom will upgrade when you upgrade. Acts 29 will upgrade if Jacob upgrades. James's household will upgrade if James upgrades. Your cat will upgrade if you upgrade. Last point. <laughs> Your cat upgrading. Guys, uh, Josiah does something in the process of upgrade. You know, upgrade cannot happen without... You know, when we talk about upgrade, we think, oh, upgrade is going to a higher level. Upgrade should be defined differently. Let me tell you what upgrade is. We think upgrade is uh, getting... We think upgrade is moving from a from a Kia to a Cadillac. No. Okay. Something that is obsolete to something that is uh, present. That's one better. That's a better definition. But upgrade upgrade always requires reforming or repairing. That's one aspect of it. And the second aspect of it is what DJ said, where you move from that which is obsolete or getting obsolete to that which is present and active. So both apply. But this is what an upgrade means. You you ref uh, Upgrade basically is on one hand reforming or repairing that which needs to be changed or it's moving from that which is obsolete to that which is presently relevant. In Hebrews chapter 10, I think, or 12, it says, it says this. It says, um, do not harden your hearts and I'm going to shake things again so that only that which is unshaken remo- remains. Everything that is shakable will be Removed. Removed. Undone. Reform and repair are two things that are vital to um, transitioning. And that time is now. Guys, and here's the strange thing. This is the point that I wanted to add to this. Uh, guys, it's, uh, do you know what happens to Josiah? He decides that the structures in the temple need reformation and repair. So he tells them to go reform and repair the temple. As they are reforming and repairing the temple, this guy called Hilkiah, or Hilkiah, who was a priest, in the process finds a book. You know what the book is? It's a Torah. He grabs the book, brings it to a guy called Shaphan. Shaphan runs and takes it to the king. Point being this, guys. It's only in reform and repair that the book will be found in the temple. It's only in reform and repair that the book or the truth of God will be found. More truth will be found in the temple. Because if we are going to stay stationary here with what you know, why should we know more truth? How is truth ever going to come into light if there is no desire to reform and repair? It's the same with your life. If I don't want to actually have a, if I don't have a desire to reform or repair my life, my heart will never be open to a new truth that will change my life. Because I'm content here. So when you begin to reform and repair the temple, that is when you discover the book in the temple. And I'll tell you something, in the churches today, 
The book is lost in the temple. It is there, but it's somewhere hidden. It's lost. Never gets open. It's lost. It's in the temple, but we don't know where. But as we repair and reform the temple, the book is discovered. And once the book is discovered, guys, you want new revelation? Build a house. Build up people and you will have new revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to keep drawing from the matrix of the Bible. Matrix, uh, revelation has to come from, the, from what is already in there. And then has to be confirmed by scripture. Yeah. Has to be drawn from that, but has to be verified by scripture. Otherwise it becomes extra biblical and it's dangerous. If you want the present truth revealed to you guys, build God's house, build up people, build up the people of God. Build up. Guys, I'm not talking about undoing stuff in their lives only. That's part of it. But build up the house of God and you will find the book in the temple. The truth of God will be revealed again and again and again. Because God is saying, oh shucks, here are people who are constantly reforming and repairing as I am shaking them up. And the last thing that happens with Josiah, plenty of other things happen, but we'll stop here. The other thing that happens with Josiah is as he started repairing and reforming the temple guys he really had to refurbish the whole place plenty of resources tons of money started coming in people who had forgotten how to give now started bringing money Josiah appointed a guy to take care of it also and he said make sure that everybody who is working at this is paid and yet there was plenty of money when you start transitioning you are resourced. Because you are going to a location that the sender is sending you to. And the sender will always be responsible for where he sends you. I'm not talking about mission trips. I'm just talking about going where God is sending you to. I'd like to be sent, please. I'm done, Wayne. <laughs>